Point out the colors in you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hey, podcast listeners. This is your humble host, Michael Smalley, and I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at smalleyinstitute.com. Well, today we have a very special guest who doesn't even realize just how big he is in the world of marriage but we're going to be talking about sex because frankly that's the shows that you guys listen to the most so i'm i'm giving you more of what you want <laughs> but possibly one of the greatest gifts outside of eternal life that god ever gave humankind is the gift of sex and to help us with this conversation today we have on the line dave willis of strongermarriages.com and he's gonna help lend his expertise and trust me this guy this guy has millions of readers, almost a million likes just on one of his Facebook pages, and there's a lot more. So coming up next, we talk about four things every couple needs to know about sex with the sex master, Dave Willis. I am your host, Michael Smalley, along with my co-host, Seth Johnson. And I've got Dave Willis. Have you ever been introduced in such a manner, Dave? No, but as you were introducing me, like my mind, I was already going to the new business cards that I'm about to get printed. (laughs) That is, that's the best title that I've ever been assigned. Like, sex master. And my my wife will just roll her eyes every time. That 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 one goes in bold right under your name. Dave Willis, sex master. Right now, I'm googling what that is as a Chinese symbol, and I'm going to get it tattooed. (laughs) body so perfect i mean just this is a life-changing interview already for me like a lot a lot's gonna change i really just get that just like the lower center part of your back i think that'd be fantastic (laughs) right it's a real classy place and i just want to clarify for everyone listening that uh dave willis is also is also a pastor at stevens (laughs) creek church and uh i am also a pastor and seth is a worship pastor worship leader yeah, so just a couple holy guys <laughs> talking about sex. Hey, well, God created it, so I I think that he's he's very much in favor of, of these kind of conversations. I agree. Have you ever, like, what's the goofiest conversation with a church member you've ever had about sex? Well, I would say one. there was one time I was at this, like, mini conference that was for pastors, and this couple got up and they were teaching about sex, but they refused to use the word sex. No. And so like the entire converse, the entire talk was in code and they would use that. She would say comfort. In no. 
And, what, and I'm thinking, what what are we referring to right now? I don't know if she's talking about a, a back rub a or if bedding, she's talking about a new comforter, you know, some kind of kinky position. I'm not sure what. <laughs> we just went from comfort to encouragement. And then there's something called intimacy, which just I'm not even sure what that is. The way that she's <laughs> right, but it was it was so awkward because it was like we weren't allowed to even say what we were talking about. So my wife and I laughed about that forever and just kind of how quirky sometimes Christians can be to take this this beautiful, awesome gift that God gave us and that he created. And and then it's like be so nervous and awkward talking about it that we, we never actually talk about it. And why do you think that is? Like why are – because I would agree. And, and actually, Dave, one of the things I really appreciate about uh, your writing and your blog and the you know the things that you're doing – is you're very honest and frank about those, especially those kinds of subjects. So why? What, what do you think the hang-up? Why do Christians tend to be so stinking prude about discussing sexual matters? I think that somewhere along the way, we, we started buying into this lie that Satan owns sex now. And we forget that like he never created anything, that God's the only creator, and all that Satan has ever done is, is perverted things that have already been created. And so he, he tries to create a counterfeit. And that's something he's done with sex. You know, and we see that through through pornography and through just kind of the way our culture celebrates a lot of unhealthy sexual behavior. And it's the church, instead of raising up the value and the beauty of God's master design for sex and how awesome and glorious it is and how it just how powerful it is in that beautiful context of marriage. We've kind of taken a step back and just said, no, 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 that's messy and it's complicated. And every time, you know, every time it's brought up, you know, it's it, it always leads people down, you know, down the wrong path. And essentially, the church has been just so quiet about it that we've let the culture and everybody else believe that that this does belong to the world. And, and Christians need to just be these these kind of quiet prudes on the subject. But I passionately believe that it's something God created and it's something we need to reclaim for his glory and that Christians haven't having sex within marriage the way God intended should have the best, the best sex life of anybody on the planet. And so that's why I try to speak to it just very bluntly. Uh, And a lot of it's just because there are so few people within the church that are, that are doing that. Yeah. I think like we definitely wholeheartedly agree with that. And I'd even say part of, part of the issue of having conversations is that, you know, there, there's definitely a time and place for everything. And, um, I think that oftentimes it's hard for people, especially uh, inside the church, to realize like that that is a time and place to discuss it, right? Because you wouldn't necessarily have have this um, conversation, you know, with a s- certain audience, right? But at at uh, these you know retreats and at these um, you know s- studies, they're, they're for adults. That's that's the completely appropriate time. So there's not a, a need to speak in code. There's not a need to um, be bashful about it. And like you said, because it is something that, that God has created and ordained, that like, yeah, we speak bluntly and, and boldly about it um, because this is the time. This is the time we need to press into uh, what God has um, taught about it. No, that, I, I think that's exactly right. And and uh, and I and said I lost you there for a second because there's a little window in my in my office. The door's closed, but there's this little window. And one of my like office mates who's right next door and is hearing this whole conversation, just like walked up to the window and held up a piece of paper that said hashtag Sex Master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I this, like him. Give him a just, raise. 
just stood there. And so I was so into what you were saying. And then I looked over and there's this guy standing <laughs> up holding the sign. Hey, so, with, with the millions of people that are reading your stuff, we could get that trending. We, Dave we, Willis, <laughs> sex master. And that might even open you up to a whole different audience. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's going to be the name of the autobiography someday. Yeah. <laughs> the, the official autobiography. I'll, all I ask for is 5%. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Feels fair. Well, you know, what's funny. When I would do sermons on sexual intimacy, because I felt it was important, I'd actually have my staff create, you know, these really cool movie-like looking posters that would tell everyone, hey, this is PG-13. So if you don't want your kid to hear an honest conversation about sex, then don't let him come into this sermon today. Yeah, it's good. No, it's true. I mean, it, we need to be we we've, we've got to be able to have those conversations at church. Because if we don't, then where where are people ever going to learn? You know, where are they going to learn the truth about mm-hmm. it? Well, and you know, in the light of being open and authentic and awesome, I say, what like what are some of the favorite sexual things you do with your wife? You know, pretty- <laughs> <laughs> he was about to answer. <laughs> you were, sounded like you were about to answer. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, and then I really was like, oh wow, yeah. We're actually recording this. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, we, I, I think you. if you said anything, Dave, you'd probably never have sex again. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, just uh, for the, the, in the spirit of, of uh, discretion, you know, yeah. we'll just we'll <laughs> say that it's all awesome. So, well, and, and I will continue kind of on this personal level, but not, you know, inappropriately personal. But what is, uh, you know, what, what has it been like for you? Like, did, did you always dream that you would be kind of in this big marriage ministry world? Like, how did you come about? I'm just curious a little bit about your story on how you landed and, and, and have built this incredibly successful and very healthy. Man, I, I tried to find things about you that I could complain <laughs> or maybe shame or belittle you about. But, you know, the advice that I, that I came across, all of the stuff you're doing is really good. So... How in the world did you end up here? You know, it's it's a great question. Like, I I didn't plan this. Like, I didn't plan it. I I didn't I didn't sit out and think oh, I'm going to do marriage ministry. It was kind of one of these things where, um, little by little, God kept kind of giving me a burden for it, a passion for it, and then opening up doors of opportunity for it. And and just through our own marriage, and just through doing ministry in the church, like I would have conversations with people all the time. And it seemed like every prayer request, every counseling session, it just all came back to to marriage. It was either in, it was either directly or indirectly the result of some kind of issue in marriage. And I just started feeling like, man, there's so much brokenness in this and somebody should do something about it. And and I just kind of felt like God tapping me on the shoulder saying, well, you're, you're somebody. And I felt totally unqualified and, um, I didn't really know where to start. So I, I really just started the one place where I could start for free because that was my budget was free. And, uh, <laughs> I created a, a Facebook page and that the whole point of the page was just to encourage people in their marriage to, you know, to, to be a, a small part of the solution. And little by little that, that grew. Um, and then, and then out of that one page, it kind of, it kind of created and launched some other opportunities and, and more and more my wife and I have just really sensed that, you know, this is kind of what God was preparing us for all along. Now looking backward, you know, the things we were doing that we didn't even realize were preparing us for this was actually really great uh, planning for this. But but yeah, it, 
it, it was not the the like life plan when I was 12 years old or anything. Um, but God knew what he was doing. Is there anybody in the marriage industry that sort of you've looked up to or that you've leaned on or that's been an inspiration for you? Well, well, definitely the entire Smalley family. Ah, <laughs> I set that up for you. If you hadn't that's, gone there, Dave, you're going to get crushed. Softball. You threw yeah. me a softball. <laughs> like, uh, I actually you know, lobbied for a while um, to, to see if your dad would adopt me early on and I could become a Smalley. He would have been open to it. He, he's been he, very disappointed with his two sons. <laughs> he, he never returned those emails. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but no, I, I, I really have, uh, you know, admired, you know, your whole family's work. And um, there's been, I, I've tried to like read and learn as much as I can um, over the, the really the last decade, especially of just what people who are, who are in this space, who have this calling, you know, who've been at it uh, for, you know, for a long time and done it with excellence and integrity and, and, and just tried to learn as much as I can. Like hardly anything that I say is really an original thought. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can kind of from people who have been at it a lot longer than me. Whenever my wife and I, you know, meet a couple and they've been married for 50 or 60 years, we'll always just, just start asking them questions. Like, you know, what's your advice? What's your secret? You know, how, how did you, you know, get through the, the hard times? What were some of the best times? And then we just take what we're learning and try to package it in a way that that it that you know it works on the internet or in a blog form or in a short video, and we're just we're just sharing what we're learning, and it's the same stuff that's helping us. So like selfishly, one of the big reasons that we do this is it's been the most helpful thing for our marriage yeah. that we've ever done is to do marriage ministry, um, and so it's it's helping us while it's hopefully helping other people too. Well, do you? I, I'm curious. Do you ever feel? And I mean this, so I'm not being goofy. But do you ever feel inadequate? Do you ever feel like, guy, I'm just, you know, sharing other people's stuff? And it's not uh, like I'm not leading down an attack road. That's not my style. <laughs> right. But I, for some reason, I was curious if if you ever feel that way or if you ever feel like, good Lord, what am I doing? Well, you know, I think that I feel like if – if we're ever in a place where we think we can do everything we're doing totally on our own strength and in our own ability, then we're thinking way too small and we're probably living outside of our calling. Because I feel like Jesus always calls people to something that's beyond their ability and outside their comfort zone so that we have to lean on him to do it. And this has kind of been one of those things for me. It's like it's been a great adventure and it's been um, – you know, way outside of my own natural skills and, and comfort zone. But it's also been the very thing that that has like grown me in my my own faith the most, because it's like when we're in a, a place where we've, we've got to lean on God and we've 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 got to operate in a power that's bigger than ourselves. Like that's when our faith gets real. And I think everybody, every Christian, whether you're in full time ministry or not, we've we've all got to have those places in our life where we're willing to step out and say, all right, Lord, you know, use me. Uh, cause I think he's, he's much more interested in a willing heart than a perfect resume. And, and he tends to, he tends to just, you know, use all of us when we say, all right, Lord, this, you know, all of me, you got it. It's, it's yours. Where do you want to go today? What do you want to do today? And the more we say yes to him, um, the more, you know, he continues to give us opportunities to say yes to him. And so that's kind of been, you know, the story for me in, in the marriage ministry. But I think that Every single one of us is called to have a similar story in, in, in some some kind of part of our life. You know, that 
just first of all, let me compliment you. You had multiple Pinterest worthy quotes in that answer. <laughs> Thank you. That was incredible. And the other part I even asked because honestly, um, to hopefully be an encouragement to you, you sound very similar to my father. So he, you know, he had his MDiv. He was a youth pastor. Uh, when he when he entered into the marriage ministry, man, he was just a lowly assistant pastor at a small church in Waco, Texas. Wow. And so his journey to becoming this kind of marriage expert was really just the fact that his own marriage was suffering. And so he realized, I gotta, I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to have a healthy marriage. I don't know how to be a healthy father. So he read anything and everything and interviewed anyone or, you know, anybody that he possibly could and obviously became an expert and, and to encourage you because, you know, obviously if, if you grow up in Gary Smalley's home, I, I don't get to necessarily take that same path. Right. <laughs> Cause people right, will look right. at me and be like punk, <laughs> you know, so I kind of got forced into going the, the education route and getting my PhD and, but what I appreciate about what your ministry is doing, because I man, I'll tell you, I'm I can be pretty judgmental about just what people are teaching or what yes, they're yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially in the marriage arena, because I feel like I've, you know, twenty three years experience, have the education, the legacy, the lineage, whatever. And man, the stuff that you're doing is spot on. And and I'm sure you're aware of the there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. I've heard of it. I don't know if you're aware of that same book, Dave. Is that in the maybe the like the apocrypha? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. That's that's a book of magic from the middle, from from the middle uh, something Middle Ages. I almost said Middle Eastern. No, I was like, that's middle, not right. Middle Earth from the Hobbits. I, I love I love Ecclesiastes, but it's 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 one of those books where it's like you know Solomon obviously is so wise, but I feel like I'm just reading a dude's midlife crisis when I read that. I one. know and, it's totally true, but. The truth and what I love, I love it. It's one of my favorite. And what I love, though, is he says, man, there is nothing new under the sun. So, you know, I, I know that sometimes we can feel like, God, are we just stealing? We're not stealing. We're just saying things potentially in a better way. That's really what my father did is he was able to disseminate really technical research or books or things that really couldn't translate to a wider audience and he was able to make them simple. And it feels like you're doing very much the same thing. So man, there isn't a new thought, even if I'm to do a research study or whatever, it's been done before it's been thought before, you know, there's, there's kind of a few core principles that are all in scripture. You know, they're they're They've been around since the beginning of time. You're yeah. Just- and I, it freed me up when I realized I didn't have to be original. I just had to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, and that kind of freed me out because I think there's all this pressure in our world to like leave our original mark and, you know, and all of that. And, and usually like pride and insecurity tend to drive that, which is something all of us struggle with. I know I do. Um, but when we free ourselves up from that and just say, you know, that's not really God's metric for success. It's like, really, it's just, am I being faithful to this thing that he's called me to, to be an encourager, to, mm-hmm. you know, point people to the truth that I didn't invent, you know, that, that you know, all truth kind of, you know, God has the copyright on and, and just kind of point people back to that. And then it, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's liberating. And so. It yeah. is. It is very liberating, and and you're doing a great job. I don't mean to fawn all over you, so now I'm going to get more critical because 
uh, Seth is giving me the the signals, the hand signals, <laughs> like, dude, we got to get to the actual point of this podcast eventually. <laughs> so as much as I'd love to keep going down the road that we're on, uh, you know, you had a podcast post, four things every couple needs to know about sex. Yeah, it was really good, and especially the fourth, uh, let me see here. No, it was actually the first one. And the first one, and, and I pre-warned you, so hopefully you have your own article up there so that you don't sound like you have no idea what you wrote. <laughs> right. right. But the first one is most men see sex as a form of stress relief, while most women need stress relief before they can be in the mindset to make love. Now, so, this, this is maybe the biggest the biggest cause of, of kind of miscommunication and frustration around you know, around the issue of sex and marriage is just that men and women are wired totally opposite in this way, which is proof that God has a sense of humor, right? I mean, yeah. that's just a funny scenario. But if you don't understand this going in, it's going to create a lot of friction. Yes, it does. And now here's my one, like, because I actually agree very much with it. So I don't have a problem, but... Here's where I get a little nervous about number one, and I was curious. I'm I'm curious about what you think. Is that I think many times men sexually get put in this box, like all you like you hear women all the time. All he ever wants is sex. All he ever thinks about is sex. But what I've learned over the years is that you know you can watch little boys and girls even when they're like in kindergarten, and if you go into a kindergarten playground, you see all the little girls grouped up talking because that's usually how they experience intimacy. Right. But then you see all the little boys wrestling. They're wrestling and pushing and fighting and it's and it's physical. And so men really tend to meet their deep emotional needs physically where women tend to meet their deep emotional needs uh verbally or vocally. How do you feel about that? Like in the sense of, you know, cuz I get it, sex can definitely be a stress release and men because of how we compartmentalize our lives, we don't necessarily have to have all the cogs in a row in order to be interested in sex. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want to belittle men that, you know, all it is is a stress relief. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's 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 obviously much deeper than that. And it, it got wired us up so brilliantly, uniquely. And and yeah, when you know when we're in that that beautiful sacred act of, of making love, it's it's meeting a whole bunch of different kinds of needs you know, at the same time. Um, but understanding just how men and women are so differently wired in this, like you just talked about kind of the verbal connecting and how, how women tend to just naturally, um, kind of connect and, and meet this need for emotional intimacy through conversation. I mean, that's a big deal. And I, I tell people, you know, guys think about it like this, your wife's need for communication is every bit as strong a drive as your need for sex. And if you'll look at it that way, then it'll make you so much more available to connecting with her in that way. Because I think a lot of times for us guys, you know, we look at communication just as, is something on the to-do list. It's like, well, let's, let's talk about what, what, whatever we need to talk about. Let's get, get through it so we can get done with this talking, which is just wasting my time. Which sometimes don't, don't just, women do that with men about sex. Oh, exactly. Know, this, this is a, a check mark. I'll just get through it and then get on with my life. Exactly. But, and so if both spouses will look at it as, is like, okay, this not only, this is meeting a need for me, but yeah, this meeting a need for me, but, uh, is also meeting a need for, um, you know, for my spouse in a really unique way, 
then I think that we can see it as this beautiful and sacred act um, of serving each other while also growing close to each other. So like for the conversation, if a guy will look at conversation, not just as, okay, this is something I have to get through so we can get to the sex. Like this is just, let's rush, this is like the salad before my steak comes. It's like, I'm not <laughs> right. really interested in the salad. Let's just get through this. Why did you even bring it? But it's like, no, no, this is such an important part of this whole process. And when I'm engaged with my wife, connecting opening up in conversation. When she's asking me questions, it's not to interrogate me, it's to connect with every part of my world and that she feels most secure and most connected to me when I'm willing to to listen without always trying to just immediately solve whatever it is she's talking about or when I'm willing to open up about the things at work that I normally compartmentalize and just try to keep out of the house because she wants to connect with every part of my world, then it's helping her on this emotional level feel just as connected to me as I'm just trying to feel with her physically right now. And so it, it's all connected. You know, we, we guys, like you said, tend to compartmentalize and, and sex can just be in its own little box all by itself. And it's a box we like to go to often, but, but with <laughs> women, <good> yeah, <laughs> it is, it's, it's a good one. But for, for women, especially it's, it's all interconnected. And so if we just try to rush there without all of these other aspects, then for, for them, it's going to feel, it's going to feel cold. It's not going to be a place where they're really feeling connected to us. They're just kind of doing this, this chore to check off their list. And we miss out on an opportunity to really connect on, on all levels. So do you have maybe, uh, some, some practical, like starting places for both men and women on, on how to meet that need of their spouse? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, for for you guys that are out there, and it's not always the guy that wants more frequency. Yeah. It usually is, um, but not always. But you know, talking specifically to you, you men that that desire more frequency, I would, I'd encourage you to to just think of foreplay as being not like a five minutes beforehand event, but like an all day event. Like with every text message you send throughout the day, with every conversation, with every every little chore you do. Like you know, I always joke, you know, you're. You guys, you're never hotter to your wife than when she sees you doing the dishes or folding laundry. <laughs> you know, we call that chore play. You know, you <laughs> that's you, good. You do that's that good. and it's, it's it's all good. And so, do and doing those things, you're taking things off of her list to help her de-stress, to help get her in, in into that mindset, and and just to realize that she wants to connect with you on on all levels. And so, just being available to her, um, being thoughtful towards her in all parts of your life. Uh, I think that that's going to lead to, you know, greater intimacy and greater frequency, you know, in the bedroom. And and for you ladies, you know, just to understand it's, I think it's hard, the more women I talk to, it's hard for, for a woman to wrap her mind around just the, the drive that most men feel, the need that most men have in this one particular area. And when that need is not being met, um, it creates it creates a lot of frustration in him, both physically and emotionally. Um, it creates, uh, sometimes even, even resentment and it, it can just create this cycle of negativity where what happens when one person feels like their, their main need is not being met is that they don't feel like they have the will or the capacity, uh, and definitely don't have the desire to meet the needs for that other person. And so if both spouses will be willing to say, I want to do whatever I can to meet his needs, to meet her needs, even when I feel like my own needs aren't being met, Somebody has to be willing to go first. Someone has to be willing to say, I'm going to give my best even when I feel like it's not being reciprocated. Right. And that that can make all the difference. 
And you know what I love, Dave, is the the truth is that both men and women need to be able to recognize and acknowledge. You know, men need to acknowledge that their wife wants to love them and wants to be loved, and her way of connecting might be verbally or emotionally in that way. And then wives need to learn and recognize that the husband, it's not just about the orgasm. It's not just about the act of sex. That le- that's, It's a legitimate way that their husband is trying to do the very same thing that they desire. Mm-hmm. We just, again, we do it so differently. And I've found a lot of success with couples, especially in our you know, Smalley uh, marriage intensive program, helping them start to reframe how they view each other. So if we view each other like, oh my gosh, she's so high maintenance, as opposed to she's really just wanting to connect with me and love me well. And oh my gosh, all he ever wants is sex. Actually, what he's really wanting is to be connected and to love me well, and that we do it differently. And that's okay. You know, my dad had a great a great uh, word picture that when it comes to sex, because you talked about foreplay and make it an all-day foreplay kind of experience for your wife, the image that he would use is when it comes to being turned on sexually, men are like microwaves and women are like crockpots. Yeah, that's good. And so we, we need to honor that and know that I can't just roll over in the morning and be like, all right, babe, let's get it on. I got to like <laughs> wake up brush my teeth and say, Hey, would you be excited about later? Maybe possibly. And let that, let that crock pot get turned on. And by the, by the end of the day, they're, they're heated. They're ready to go. That's, that's a good word right there. I'm thinking about how to get that crock pot turned on. I know. (laughs) Just send her a nice text right now. We'll give you, we'll pause. We'll take (laughs) a a brief podcast pause. (laughs) All right, so number two, we have deeper transparency outside the bedroom leads to deeper intimacy inside the bedroom. So what do you mean by that, about that transparency? Oh, man, that's good. Like, I'm just, man, whoever wrote that, that was smart. (laughs) I was like, I think you wrote that. (laughs) Wait a second. Uh, I probably stole it from somewhere. Um, Well, we we describe it as, as we we call it a naked marriage. And where, where that comes from is... Genesis, when you look at the very first picture God gave us of marriage, Adam and Eve were naked and they had no shame. And this is before sin, before anything else had entered the picture. This is like God's beautiful design for marriage. And he intentionally told us that he made them naked. And that was not only a picture of this physical nakedness, but I believe he he painted that picture for us to show us that we're called to be emotionally naked, naked in every way. Nakedness represents total transparency. It means vulnerability. It says, I've got nothing to hide from you. Um, and if you want to have total intimacy in your marriage, you've got to have that level of transparency. You can't have secrets. I think that secrecy is one of the biggest intimacy killers in marriage. And so if you're not being totally honest with your spouse about everything, if you're not giving that person a an all access pass to your mind, your heart, your bank account, your your time, your schedule, your phone, your computer, everything you've got, and you're building up walls, that's going to translate into all areas of your marriage, including the bedroom. And those those walls are going to be something that you can feel. It's just blocking you from really connecting in every way. And so we encourage marriage couples, you know, one of the best things you can do, not only for your sex life, but for every part of your marriage is to is to take the secret free guarantee to just say, I'm not going to have any secrets from you. I want to give, I want to give you an honest answer to every question you ask. And there's no question that's off limits. And you know, we're, we're going to get naked, not only physically, but we're going to start by doing it emotionally, mentally in all parts of our relationship. And that transparency will always create deeper intimacy. 
Well, and you know what? I usually encourage couples because I agree. I mean, not having secrets is is you know you're you're building you're you're sectioning off your ability to be truly intimate or close with each other. However, I also like to encourage people that if you want your spouse to be totally open and honest with you, then it's also my responsibility for Amy, for example. It's my responsibility to create a safe environment where she can be honest. So if 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 Amy tries to be honest and then I blast her for it or I shame her or criticize her for it or or even, you know, one of, you know, I, I one of the consistent very unhealthy coping mechanisms people use with honesty is that they they self-deprecate right they they over dramatize and now it's like i'm the worst person ever like you know when a spouse is trying to go hey listen and especially when you talk about sexual intimacy you know if if you approach your spouse and you're like hey and, and you want to do it in a positive way but if you're trying to correct something sexually like maybe something's going on in the bedroom that you, you really don't enjoy right and if I'm, you know, if my spouse is vulnerable enough to share that with me, then I need to be safe in return. I need to be, able, I need to be able to handle that information, right. not take it personally, but then also be positive back so that I create an environment where we can actually be honest. Yeah. No, I don't know what you think about that. No, it's, it's so true. And, that, and, and vulnerability, like you said, I mean, that's really the, the key there. It's like putting yourself out there, um, in a way that might be scary sometimes to say like, you know, I feel, I feel naked right now, not just physically, but it, it's, I'm, I'm feeling totally exposed right now just to share this. And it has to be a safe place because every time that you're, you're courageous enough to be vulnerable with your spouse in that way, to say something or to ask something or to confess something that, that might take some courage just to say out loud, your spouse has an opportunity to build so much trust and intimacy in the relationship by how they respond in that moment, by responding and letting you know that this is a safe place. You know, our relationship is always a safe place for us to, to be able to, to confess or ask or talk about anything at all. Um, but both people have to be willing to, you know, to get there. Otherwise, you know, what happens in the bedroom, it is just, you know, purely a, a physical act and a physical release and that's that's one part of it, obviously. But if that's all it is, then then you're really missing out. You really are. And and I even think of in today's world with the issue of pornography and the addictions that 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 causes. What breaks my heart is when if a husband gets caught, or maybe even if he confesses on his own. And I've literally had to tell women to their faces, no, this is not divorce worthy, and no, it is not the same as having a physical affair. It's it's wrong. It's unhealthy. It can be very damaging. But, you know, these poor men, they try to open up. They try to be honest. And then what they get in return is a lot of condemnation and judgment and, frankly, threats. I mean, I literally had a young lady. They'd been married three or four years. She kicked him out of the home because he had watched Game of Thrones, which I wouldn't watch personally. I don't think it's healthy. It's kind of that soft, you know, that soft porn kind of crud. But to kick him out of the house and threaten divorce was insane. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's sad that, that people aren't able to be honest with each other and not fear, you know, an overreaction mm-hmm. or an overly devastating response. No, I, I, yeah, I think you've got to be able to talk about these things. You gotta, you have to be able to, to just talk about where, where that's coming from and you know, what's, 
what what's out of bounds and all that but to, to feel like yeah to feel like you could be kicked out of your house because you know you you know watch the wrong show and yeah yeah i'm just trying to trying to process all that but well I think- it's it's sort of like legalism right and i and i think sometimes that's where the church gets in trouble is we become very pharmaceutical we, we, we kind of become like pharisees where you just have to look good you don't have to be good you just have right. to look good yeah, and and then they, you know, and and we're also taught these really devastating lies growing up about things, and I think Satan's involved. His whole job is to distort what's good. Oh yeah, and he's he he's got a lot of practice at it. Yeah, literally a lot of and practice the, at it. The thing about porn, I heard I heard this this quote that some pastor said, and it just really stuck with me. He said the the problem with porn isn't that it shows us too much; it's that it shows us too little. And it really stuck with me because, you know, we we tend to think of just kind of the graphic acts that we see, um, which, of course, in themselves are, are wrong to take that in. But really, the most damaging part of porn is that it, re- it reduces sex to something that's too little. Mm-hmm. It's it's just purely the, you know, this animal act. And it's not the sacred spiritual gift, this this beautiful gift that God created. And, and it's it's rewired our minds to think that that's that's all sex is, is just just the act itself and and that's what society it it tells us all the time and that's what that's what the secular society wants to reduce it to because therefore we can have quote-unquote more freedom yeah hedonism Mm -hmm. this is all about my pleasure which we know scripture goes very opposite to that direction well and actually this leads into number three here on our four things every couple needs to know about sex Number three, you write, keep your fantasies focused on each other. Don't just be physically monogamous, but mentally monogamous too. So are you, you know, in that, are you kind of talking about there's there's not only just pornography potentially or whatever, but then also just daydreaming about others? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The most powerful sexual organ we have is, is the mind. Um, it's where... Intimacy begins, and it's it's where all you know sexual sin begins as well. And if if we let our mind just just go to to you know replaying images that are you know outside of our marriage, and really even if you're not physically watching pornography, you could have a porn reel going in your mind all the time, and it's it's just as damaging as is having something pulled up on your computer screen. So you know we've we've got to keep our and, and again this this is something that takes kind of constantly saying, Lord, I need you to renew my mind. I need you to constantly bring bring my thoughts back to where they need to be. Because left on autopilot, um, all of our thoughts are going to go to the wrong places. So mm-hmm. this this takes, again, not just our own willpower, but it, it's being intentional about keeping our eyes away from things that are going to put the wrong images in our head. But then it's also not just avoiding the negative, but it's actively seeking out, Lord, I want to put your word in my mind. I want to be connected to you in prayer. I want to be constantly connected to my spouse so that they're they're the the one the one place where any kind of you know romantic or sexual fantasy that I go to will only involve them um because when when that doesn't happen then it starts to unravel you know that that sacred connection we're called to have with our spouse it does but what's cool and and this is why I love your fourth point but what's cool, and in, in, in a biblically honoring or a God-honoring marriage, and especially within the sexual relationship, we're not talking about that you can't be creative. You can't 
have these fantasies with each other because number four is don't forget to have fun. And that's where I think a lot of couples miss out, especially within the Christian community, is they've sort of defined appropriate sex as the missionary position, lights out under the comforter, and let's get this let's get this thing over. And what's sad is if you just read the Song of Solomon, you know, I mean, they don't even let in the Jewish culture, they don't even let young Jewish men read that book until they're ready for marriage. Cause it is it's spicy. It is steamy. <laughs> It, it really is. is when you learn the when you learn the ancient sort of meaning behind a lot of the things that come across today. Like, what do I care about a peach tree? Oh, you'll care a lot when you <laughs> right. understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so, gonna love peach tree. So, what do you? Let me ask you. I'm gonna ask you a tough question. What, from a biblical or Christian perspective, what's allowed in the bedroom? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Looks like we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a podcast, baby. We get to go on and on. Your your coworker might want to get that hashtag sex master back up there on the window. I think I have some Jeopardy right. music I can start playing. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. Well, um, that's a real good question. I think the question to start with is like, you know, what's, what's allowed? You got to look. What what has God clearly said? It's like you know, kind of beyond just our interpretation. What's out of bounds? And some of the things that are clearly out of bounds would be bringing another person, yeah, third uh, party, either physically or virtually. So again, I, I, that's not only bringing in you know somebody else and you know kind of having an open marriage, which is really no marriage at all, uh, but also doing that virtually through through pornography or through these other means is essentially. The, the, the same effect. It's, it doesn't have necessarily the same actual consequence or, or damage, but it's you're essentially playing with the same fire when you're you're bringing in anybody virtually um, as well. I'd say you know anything that that one you know one of the other person people involved is they're just they're just not comfortable with. Like they they feel like totally pressured. You know, if anything that you feel like you've got to like keep pressuring your spouse to do. Um, is is missing the point. I think you need to be able to to share your desires and your fantasies and have a safe place to do that. But I think we also um, need to go in understanding that that my spouse might not have the same level of comfort or uh, or desire to 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 go to those certain places that I do. Well, and, what what places, Dave? I don't know. I mean, I th- <laughs> I mean, I I think that for some people they could, they could really be into like you know let's let's do like role playing or let's you know, let's. Um, or we got yeah. this book called the Kama Sutra. Let's let's figure out these positions. Yeah, yeah, and and so you, you want to try these different you know different positions, and sometimes um, you know what one spouse might say, well, okay, the, the, these these I'm comfortable with, these I'm not th- there yet, or maybe I need to take some yoga classes to get flexible enough to try number you know forty three there. <laughs> <laughs> number forty three. That's a good wow, one. Wow, Dave, Dave has gotten down to 43. That's impressive. I stretch for that one. <laughs> but well, I think it all comes down to realizing that, like, okay, this this is a sacred act. It's supposed to be fun. Like you said, it, it, it we, we don't have to be, like, just, like, rigid and uncreative in our thinking. Like, this this has to be, like, a fun place where there's there's laughter and there's creativity and there's spontaneity and there's adventure and there's variety and all of this stuff. But at the same time, balancing that with 
you know, we want to make sure that, that both people always feel safe, that both people feel respected. Um, and, and, and the husband and wife, you know, talking through that, just not because in all parts of your marriage, you have to have some of these same conversations. Yeah, you do. And But I do have to correct you significantly on one of the things you just mentioned. Under no circumstances do I want any laughing from my wife when we're involved in lovemaking. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was that, – that's more of like a, a foreplay thing. <laughs> <laughs> nope, maybe. don't want it. Don't want Actually, any laughter. There too. Maybe like the pre – pre-foreplay. Well, one of the things that I often encourage couples, especially when it comes to sexual intimacy, is I I, I virtually say the same thing. It's like clearly no third parties. You know, one of the funniest responses in teaching this to larger audiences that I've ever had, because I'd always challenge the crowd to go, I dare you to come up with a different boundary that I'm talking about in scripture. And this guy came up to me. And only one time in 20 years has this happened. He came up to me and goes, why don't you look up Leviticus 6? And I thought, Leviticus? I don't even realize Leviticus talked about sex. So I think I don't, and I might be wrong on this, on, on the reference there. It's been a long time. But when I looked up the scripture, I almost fell out of the chair laughing because it was like, don't have sex with your mother. I'm like, done. <laughs> right. Totally agree. Don't have sex with your sister again. I'm great with that. <laughs> or donkeys. Donkeys <laughs> made the list. I'm like, okay, why did God even have to talk about Yeah, people? this is. This is really a problem. Like how right. how lame was life during Leviticus? <laughs> I know, man. It was Real not lame. healthy. So I got back up on stage after the break and was like, hey, someone challenged me. And let me just say, I fully agree with all of these other boundaries that the, the scripture is <laughs> at. But ultimately, Dave, it sounds like what you're saying, and I might say a little different, is, is that what's allowable in the bedroom is what's honoring to each other. So if I'm more adventurous sexually and my wife is more conservative, then naturally because I'm sex is an is, is yet just another way I can serve my wife. So naturally I'm gonna be a little more conservative than maybe I would have had I married an adventurous wife. And at the same time, though, I want the ladies to hear or husbands that maybe you're conservative, but you married a more adventurous person. So you probably need to be more adventurous than maybe what you were naturally born as. And that's okay because that's how we honor each other in the bedroom as well. Yeah, and these are conversations that that need to be had uh, and begin prior to even being in the moment as well and in, 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 the th- in the throes of it and just being like, yeah. hey, this is, this is something that is like it'd be interesting to me. Would it be of interest to you as mm-hmm. well? I've had those conversations with my wife. Yeah. Because I am the more adventurous one, mm-hmm. and some of those have been priceless. Her <laughs> facial expressions—I mean, I wish I had video because I'd be like, "Hey, uh, so I I found out about this idea. What do you think?" And she'd be like, "Oh, okay, all right, uh, yeah, let me think about that." <laughs> and her eyes would be real wide, very expressive. An hour later, um, yeah, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> so maybe just, no. Just not a big fan of hot sauce. Yeah, <laughs> hot sauce, <laughs> eggs, and cheese is is meant for a sandwich, not for sex. <laughs> well, I have one final question for you, Dave, and thank you. You have been incredibly gracious with your time and with your information. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, it's been a ball. I've had fun. But there's one question, and how you answer this? Uh oh is going to determine what we do in post-edit. 
<laughs> right. And whether I'm invited back. Exactly. So uh, out of curiosity, have you ever downloaded our Reignite Your Marriage smartphone app on your on any device you have? Just say yes. Just say yes. You know, that, that last question broke up a little bit. Uh, no, you could be doing it right now as we're talking. Yeah, no, I, I'm, a, I'm about to do it. Here, here's what you need to know about my, my phone and my apps and all this stuff. You have a Windows phone, don't have, you? Looking through my phone, I don't have any apps that I've downloaded. Like every app that I see on this phone is something that my kids have downloaded. <laughs> That's sad. Like, it, this is essentially just like a gaming device that I carry around for them <laughs> and, and occasionally get uh, calls or text messages. Like it's really sad, but I mean, I wish I could show you screenshots. It is game after game after game. Like I don't. I don't even get my own phone, but I'm going, to, I'm going to download it. I'm going to have my own app on here, and it's going to be from you guys. Yeah, it'll be the one Dave Willis app is going to be the Reignite Your Marriage app. But thank you so much for coming on. And, folks, I want to remind you that the app is out there. It's really, really helpful. On this very podcast episode, we have direct links to iTunes, Google Play, Windows Phone, Amazon App Store, and then while you're online, you might as well browse over to smalleyinstitute.com because, well, we have a free course waiting for you. It's the number one reason relationships fail. Totally free. You don't have to give any credit card information. And it will give you exactly what is broken in your relationship. Well, Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com or call us toll-free at 888-565-6462. From producer J.J. Abrams. What happens to those people Critics are calling Overlord one hell of an entertaining ride. And now it's 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Overlord. Rated R. In theaters and IMAX November 9th. Directed by Julia Savory.